Mac Folklore Radio, read by Derek. And now, a review of 1993's MacBook Air, the PowerBook Duo. There's an extremely detailed 45-minute analysis I could read, but listener stats tell me you prefer short and sweet. Shout if you disagree. Macworld Magazine, March 1993. Review of the PowerBook Duo 210 and 230 by David Pogue. Pros. Extremely small, lightweight, and powerful. Longer-lasting, quicker-charging battery. Grayscale screen and excellent keyboard touch. Cons. Minuscule trackball, keyboard too narrow, noisy and cheap-feeling spacebar. Company, Apple Computer. List price, Duo 210 with 4 megabytes of RAM and an 80 megabyte hard drive, 2250 US dollars. Duo 230, 4 megabytes of RAM and 120 megabyte hard drive, 2970 US dollars. Macworld rating, 4 out of 5 stars. The PowerBook Duo 230 is Apple's smallest computer yet. It has the pleasing heft, size, and shape of a nice hardbound book, yet it packs the horsepower of a 33 MHz 68030 chip, even faster than the brain found in the Mac 2CI, an internal 80 or 120 megabyte hard drive, and up to 20 megabytes of memory. The Duo 210 is identical, except that it runs at 25 megahertz. At 4.2 pounds, the Duo approaches half the weight of the original PowerBook, and it's an amazing 1.4 inches thick. Every edge, button, and control is rounded, bulging like a portable CD player or a Ford Taurus. Close the wafer-thin lid-slash-screen, and the Duo automatically goes into low-power sleep mode. Touch a key to wake it again. In other words, the Duo is ready to work and ready to roll faster than any other Macintosh. To achieve the Duo's impressive weight loss, Apple designers place this PowerBook on a severe and risky diet. No floppy disk drive, no usual row of jacks on the back, no microphone, speaker, SCSI, keyboard, video, or floppy drive ports. Instead, there is a single, slim, 3-inch wide connector you've never seen before. This special connector can mate with three peripherals. The microdock for connecting an external floppy disk drive, the same one made for the discontinued PowerBook 100. A mini dock, a foot-long bar crammed with the full contingent of ports. Or a full-size, expandable Duo Dock docking station, also reviewed in this issue. Other mini-dock and duo-dock-style contraptions are in development by other companies. In other words, the Duo itself is designed to be a purebred typing machine. Any component that you won't need on the plane or in the board meeting can be left behind on your desk. That clever scheme works unexpectedly well and isn't especially crippling on the road for two reasons. First, the Duo is not an utter island. Apple shrewdly left a single port on the Duo itself, a printer or modem port, so that you can print, telecommunicate, connect to a network, or play MIDI music without any additional gear. According to Apple, the problems with MIDI that plagued all previous PowerBooks have been fixed. 
the December 1992 analysis of the duo, that I'm not reading for you, states, Unfortunately, Apple did not fix a power management-related problem that can cause data errors between the computer and musical instruments connected via MIDI. Because the power management software periodically interrupts the CPU, errors can occur when you're transferring large amounts of MIDI data, specifically when you're doing large system-exclusive dumps of data like sound samples. The system should work fine for general sequencing. For all of Apple's interest in multimedia, unfortunately, the company has yet to produce the perfect musician's computer. Second, the external floppy disk drive adapter has an ADB jack on it, where you can plug in a full-size keyboard and mouse. In creating this more svelte Macintosh, Apple did some things unbelievably right. For example, it endowed the Duo with a magnesium inner frame, making the computer strikingly solid-feeling and sturdy. Apple also did something to the keyboard feel. The keys are completely silent, but have a terrific tactile click. The exception is the spacebar. Not only does it clack loudly, but it has a chintzy, spring-loaded feel, and often requires a goodly womp to make it register a press. Because the ultra-thin screen is the same kind of passive matrix liquid crystal display technology used on the PowerBook 140, 145, and 160, the cursor tends to vanish when you move it quickly, but at least this screen shows 16 shades of gray, making System 7's 3D icons look great. In all this downsizing, Apple also did some things unbelievably wrong. For example, it shrank three things you definitely do not want shrunk. The screen, the keyboard, and the trackball. The 7.5 by 4 and 3 quarter inch screen is 1 inch narrower and 3 quarters of an inch shorter than the screen of the other PowerBooks. The keyboard is more than 1 inch narrower than a normal keyboard. And the trackball is more of a track marble, having wasted away to a puny 19 millimeter diameter. It's buried in a trough between the palm rests, making it even more awkward to use. After the first two workdays, my right-hand fingers actually ached. There's one more ergonomics disappointment. One of the mouse buttons has been moved away from the keyboard so far that it literally wraps around the front edge of the machine, like a protruding lower lip. If you sometimes work lying down, you know who you are, this button is prone to inadvertent clicks from, of all things, your stomach. The Duo comes with new software, too. A control panel gives you great control over battery, backlighting, and hard drive usage. You also get System 7.1, which the Duo requires. System 7.1 requires upgraded versions of some popular software, suitcase, for example. The Duo won't start up without a special Duo-specific system extension called an enabler. Suppose that one day you need to reinstall the system folder because of a hard drive problem. And suppose that you're thrilled because your office mate has a set of System 7.1 floppy disks. Turns out you'll still be out of luck. You won't be able to start up your Duo, let alone install a new system folder, because System 7.1 upgrade kits don't include enablers. You can only get an enabler disk when you buy a Duo or a PowerBook 180. When you try to start up, you get the hilariously false message, 
System 7.1 does not work on this model. Fortunately, for every minor glitch that stands in the way of laptop heaven, there's a Duo aspect that's an improvement over the previous PowerBooks. The Duo's microphone is built in, and it picks up your voice perfectly well without rubbing noses with the keyboard. The screen brightness and contrast controls are easy to use push buttons instead of sliders or knobs. The capsule-shaped on button is right on the keyboard, no longer hidden by a flap on the back of the machine. The new power adapter has flip-up cord wrapping posts. It also features a detachable cord so that the blocky transformer portion no longer hogs three spaces on your power strip. Unfortunately, Apple has also added a third prong to the plug, making it that much harder to find compatible outlets. And speaking of power, the new 4-hour nickel-metal hydride battery drives the Duo for about two solid hours of work. That's an improvement over the original 3-hour PowerBook batteries, which yielded about 90 minutes. As an added bonus, the new Duo battery recharges completely in only 2 hours instead of 8. Finally, when the Duo is attached to a Duo dock or mini dock, you can plug a SCSI cable directly into the Duo from another Mac. The Duo's icon shows up on the other Mac's screen exactly as if the Duo were an external hard drive. You'll grumble about the cramped keyboard. You may curse at the submarining cursor. You might even have to hunt for the trackball. But you simply can't underrate the importance of this computer's small size and weight. The Duo virtually cries out to be picked up, handled, and used. It's so small, it sloshes around inside carrying cases designed for regular PowerBooks. But it's so light that the carrying case strap gouges a trench only half as deep into your shoulder. In other words, the Duo achieves an astounding feat. It makes you just as happy walking around the airport as it does once you're on the plane. Now for another review from David Pogue. Duo Dock, desktop housing for PowerBook Duo. Pros, ingenious idea. Remembers network and monitor status when Duo is reinserted. Eliminates file synchronization headaches. Cons. Difficult to install Nubus boards. Duo must be off before insertion or removal. Awkward floppy drive placement. Company, Apple Computer. Requires PowerBook Duo. List price, 1080 US dollars. Macworld rating, 3 out of 5 stars. Alone, the PowerBook Duo 210 and 230, Apple's tiniest computers, offer little in the way of connectivity. Each has a single printer-slash-modem port, but no floppy disk drive or any other kind of standard jack. That's what makes the Duos incredibly small and light. When you're back from your business trip, however, the last thing you care about is size and weight. Of your computer, that is. You want to sit down at your desk and get to work on a full-fledged machine. Apple has solved this apparent conflict of wish lists with the invention of the immensely clever Duo Dock, a desktop Macintosh-sized housing for the Duo laptop. The lightweight Duo Dock has everything a 2-series Macintosh offers. Back panel connectors, a super drive, electronic and physical support for monitors as large as Apple's 16-inch color display, 
and two expansion slots for new bus boards, accelerators, video digitizing boards, and so on. Apple has given you at least some of both worlds. On the road, you have a fast, featherweight, stripped-down Mac. When you return, you insert the closed laptop into the Duo dock to which you've attached, say, a full-size keyboard, mouse, and large color monitor. You've never seen anything weirder looking from Apple, that's for sure. The bottom half is dark gray to match the PowerBook. The upper half is light gray, like most Macs. With its wide, squat, cylindrical feet, the Duo Dock looks like something that might land at a spaceport in Star Wars. In the front is a large rectangular mouth where you insert the laptop. If you push the Duo almost all the way in, the Dock pulls it, video cassette like, the final quarter inch into its fully docked, attached position. Deep inside the dock, the three-inch wide connector on the back of the Duo mates with the appropriate prongs. According to Apple advertising, an amazing stunt when compared with the unreliable docking contraptions in the IBM-compatible world. Now, the previously functionless dock has a brain. At this point, you can work as though you have a Mac 2CI on your desk. Except that the floppy drive is a shadowy slit halfway back on the dock's right side, you'll never know the difference. When you've finished working, you shut down normally and press the eject button on the front of the unit. A few inches of your laptop spring forth into your hands and you're on your way. If you press eject while working, you're first asked to save your work, then your programs quit, and the unit shuts down normally before ejecting the PowerBook. But on my test unit, the eject button didn't work about half the time when the Mac was in use. Because you really only have one computer, you have only one set of documents, those on the Duo. You therefore have no headaches of tracking which copy of each file is current laptop versus desktop Mac, a well-known problem for users of the original PowerBooks. A number of clever touches make the Duo-Duo-Doc combination easy to like. For example, the system remembers its network status when you insert the Duo into its dock, automatically remounting any shared drives. When docked, the Duo immediately begins recharging its battery. If you buy a special SCSI cable, you can connect a Duo dock to a regular Mac, SCSI port to port, for high-speed file transfers. The other Mac treats the docked Duo as simply another hard drive. You can add extra memory and an internal hard drive to the Duo dock. You can even add new bus boards. I don't mean you literally, however. As the Duo dock manual understates it, installing one of these add-on circuit boards is a technically challenging business. You dismantle the dock into three pieces, unscrew two screws so deep in sockets that you can't see them, detach a power connector, flip a sharp-edged mass of electronics upside down, remove two panels, align pins in all three dimensions simultaneously, press the board into place, and then reassemble all the pieces. It's a far cry from slipping a board into a typical Mac 2-type machine and it's probably a job you, and Apple, would rather have an Apple technician do. This hassle is a huge downfall of the Duo Dock, 
especially considering that Nubus board capability is one of its primary selling points over the not-yet-available Minidock, which offers the same back panel jacks and video support, but doesn't offer Nubus slots. The Nubus board mess isn't helped much by the manual, which omits at least one important step from the instructions. There's another mistake or two in this manual. For example, numerous instructions stress that the dock won't operate unless its removable key, which can lock the laptop either in or out of the dock, is in the horizontal position. That should really be vertical. Unfortunately, the laptop must be shut down, not in sleep mode, before you can insert it or remove it. Shutting down and restarting is time-consuming and inconvenient, ten times more so if you use a RAM disk, a piece of memory that the computer treats as a separate drive. Keeping documents, programs, and even a system folder on the RAM disk, as many PowerBook owners do, avoids using the hard drive, making a duo battery charge last twice as long. What's nice is that the PowerBook's RAM disk remains intact even if you restart or if you put the laptop in sleep mode. By requiring the Duo to be completely off, the Duo dock forces you to lose, and subsequently recreate, your RAM disk contents, system folder and all, every time you insert or remove the laptop. The difficulty of installing new bus boards, and memory for that matter, and the odd placement of the floppy drive reveal slightly less attention to design detail than we've come to expect from Apple. But, faced with the alternative, buying a second complete desktop Mac for use in the office, you'll probably be inclined to forgive and get to work.